Dennis Stewart with us again today for Health Naturally and uh, we're going off on the road today, are we? We're going to go on a field excursion, Jane, looking at some of the common herbs that are coming up now as the cool weather starts to occur. I used to do this with students many years ago. We can do it with listeners. We'll talk about maybe four or five common wayside herbs available now free of charge. Dennis, we're going to talk about wayside herbs, or as we might call them, weeds. <laughs> you call them weed, my dear. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, of course I don't. <laughs> yeah, and some of them you might too. But uh, cacti, can I just mention something of about cacti? Of course, lovely. Cacti. Some people, you either love them or hate them, I suppose, but um, a woman who does love them is, I think, a publican, and she finds that they grow really, really well on the remains of eggs, tins of beer, bourbon and cans of Coke. So um, if you want your cacti to grow well, just get rid of the dregs if you're a publican. I'll hold my breath on that, Jane. <laughs> I'll hold my breath. <laughs> but interestingly that you raise that, uh, medical herbalists do use cacti. Um, in fact, one of the uh, most useful uh, herbs that is used to address uh, anginal conditions um, is a herb called Cactus grandiflorus. Yeah. And I've actually seen it in flower. It's not as common today as it once was, and uh, medical herbalists today have sort of moved on from it a bit because of its rarity and expense. But yes, cacti are used fairly popularly in herbal medicine, and, and uh, prickly pear, as we were talking earlier, it grows um, all around the place. It's a nuisance. It took over the country at one stage, and whilst it's been... Uh, very well controlled here and there, one can still see outcrops of um, of uh, a cactus, and that cactus, prickly pear, has also some very useful medicinal properties if it is prepared properly. So I'm glad you've talked about cacti, Jane. <laughs> They're very important medicinal substances. <laughs> I suppose we'd call that officially a weed, <laughs> it probably would. rather than a wayside herb. Uh, we do have Kerry on the line from Redhead. Kerry, uh, welcome to the program. You'd like to talk about UTIs, urinary tract infections. Yes, please. My mother-in-law is constantly getting them and put on antibiotics. Is there any natural herbs you could recommend? Look, urinary tract conditions, uh, Kerry, I believe, are uh, very susceptible to the benefits of, of natural medicine. Um, you'd be surprised how many herbs there are that have been used uh, traditionally to address particularly chronic recurring urinary tract conditions. I'll go through a couple of them with you. These are usually readily available from better health food stores, compounding pharmacists, and certainly from medical herbalists that would, would stock them. Probably the most popular one, uh, and the one that's, uh, how can I call it, perhaps the easiest to take. By easiest, easiest to take, I mean it's got a pleasant taste, is a South African herb called Buku, B-U-C-H-U, Buku. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. it, it uh, works very effectively when it is made into what's called a herbal tea. And, and, okay. and herbal teas, as I've said on this program before, are very old-fashioned but effective ways of harnessing herbal activity. And the usual procedure is take a heaped teaspoonful of the herb, put it in a coffee cup, pour on boiling water, let it stand, stirring here and there, until it warms, and then filter off the liquid 
and drink that liquid, which has a peppermint-type flavour, because it carries with it what's called an essential oil or an aromatic oil, and that essential oil has a natural antiseptic or some would say antibiotic characteristics. Uh, bacteria find it very difficult to survive when uh, a person is using regular infusions or herbal teas of buku. Now, secondarily, there is equally a very useful herb called uveursi, U-V-A, dash u-r-s-i uveursi now it it frequently has been combined with buku in a herbal tea or is equally valuable on its own it would probably be the second most popular uh, herb that's been used by western herbalists to treat these chronic conditions there are two the one that you've probably heard a lot about is, is cranberry and um um, I, I recommend cranberry, but I'm not as um, enthusiastic about it as some would be. I think there's a good, uh, credible explanation as to how it works. And I, I believe if you can get uh, cranberry that's not full of sugar, it probably is a good way of harnessing uh, the potential benefit of that, uh, of that juice. And it would not clash. It would rather complement either of those uh, teas. But let me just say, there's been a bit of a breakthrough with a substance called D-Manose. D, capital D, dash, Manose. M-A-N-O-S-E. Now, D-Manose is a powder. Um, it used to be only available by importing it from the US, but now it is available from many supplies and many sources, uh, pharmacies, health food stores, herbalists would stock it. It is a powder which has a very, very effective uh, way of working. The downside to it is it's a little bit expensive, so I tend to use it as a fallback position if the herbal teas have not done their work. But there's, okay. there's an approach. Um, I understand uh, mum's distress. It's a very common condition uh, with, with elderly uh, people. And um, mm-hmm. if mum were to persevere with that, I think she would find that she would get some breakthrough with it. Wonderful. And Dennis Stewart with Health Naturally. We have herbs on the mind at the moment, but we also have your questions. And from Katara, we have Faxon, and you have a problem with a young child, I gather. I do. Right. Hello, Faxon. How can we help you? How are you going? Good, good, good. I've got a six-year-old daughter who's um, quite ill at the moment, been getting fevers. And um, the doctor has prescribed her antibiotics. Yes. And she flat out refuses to have any medication. Oh, okay. And so I'm at a loss what, what uh, to do. What, uh, what form does the medication come in? Is it a liquid form? Yes, syrups and tried um, like Panadol tablets. But um, she, she threw up after one of the first doses. Okay. And, uh, I Look, think that's it. Mm. All, all that I could say here is that this is not an uncommon thing with kids. Um, um, have you thought of uh, using, uh, say, some honey with the preparation? Honey tends to be uh, a sweetening thing and tends to mask some mm. of the tastes of, of medication. Uh, mm. That that would be, if it's a liquid preparation that's been prescribed by the doctor, I would uh, think that that would not clash in any way with the activity of the substance and, mm. and, and I think would 
uh, lead to some better reception of it. Uh, honey tends to be... Uh, a, yeah, a, we have tried doing it with a favourite treat, yes. custard yeah, and everything, yeah. but yeah, she's very, very stubborn and, yeah, just at a loss. So, yeah. you know, it's a difficult so one. Go to the hospital and... It's a difficult one. I have no easy answers to it. <laughs> and, mm. uh, um, all mm. I can say is that when our kids were growing up, there were numerous ways we would try to camouflage um, medication and uh, honey, um, chamomile tea was another way of addressing the taking of it. But outside of that, I haven't got too many um, options. Is is she very feverish? Uh, it tends to get up to, yeah, 39, 39.5. So what? we've just been having to use cold towels. And... Is it tonsillitis? Uh, I don't think so. She's got like a cough, like a chesty cough. Mm. And, mm. But yeah, is it, we're managing the fever like that. It's just the antibiotics I'm worried about. But... Yeah, well, you know, it's difficult to, to say much more than what I have said. If it's a yeah. if it's a virally based condition, uh, this is is in an, in your favour because yeah. um, your doctor may well have prescribed the antibiotic as, uh, how can you call it, uh, as a safeguard against any second... Yeah. Yeah. If it's viral, it, tend, it will tend to resolve itself. A kid's immunity yeah. is pretty good at this stage. But um, outside of that, I can't do much more. Um, in in, in, in uh, my day when we were growing up, the options weren't too great. You, no. you just had to lay down, open your mouth and cop it. That's right. <laughs> just on stubborn though. All right, I appreciate you. Sorry, thank sorry, you. thanks. Yeah, okay. and all the very best. Okay. Um, Elizabeth has rung in now from Garden Suburb. Hello, Elizabeth. And uh, rheumatoid arthritis is... Uh, Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, my daughter's 37. Yes. She's had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis oh, since she was eight. Yes. Um, the, the question being, she's wanting to have a family. Yes. So she went off all her rheumatoid arthritis medication yes. that she's been on yeah. for a very long time. Yes, yes. Um, the point is, she's had three months off it. The only um, thing that her rheumatologist said was to take Panadol. Yes. She's come to a wit's end. She's considering going back on her medication, yes. um, which means that um, you know family may yeah. no longer be an option. So yes. that's why I was calling okay. has to she, see if there was anything. Has she been on methotrexate or something? Has she? Many many years ago, okay. she was on methotrexate. She's yeah. been on Humira yes, um, yes. injections for yes. a number of years. Yes, yes, that's a good yes. medication for this. Look. Um, this is, as you would know, an autoimmune condition, and yes. uh, without those drugs you've mentioned, life can be hell for people with rheumatoid arthritis. However, okay. however, there are a couple of things that might be worthwhile her trying. At this stage, you say she has not retreated back to her immunosuppressant medication. She's just working through it. Is that what you're saying at this stage? Yeah, yeah, she's okay. trying to. Okay. Like she's done, you know, she's done the. Um Turmeric cheese, yeah, and yeah. we've got a few things from the chemist. Yeah. Um, but um, okay, look, she's, she's a bit of a workaholic too. Yes. Uh, um, yeah. But um, yeah, like I said, I, when okay. she just said to me the other day that she's considering going back on it, dear, dear. I know that was heartbreaking for yes, her and course. myself. <laughs> of course. Look, yeah. a couple a couple of suggestions. Um, the first thing is that uh, higher or elevated dosages of fish oils. Have yeah. have reasonably good documentation in some okay. of, in some of the 
pharmacy and medical techs that I have, um, the fish oil comes up in higher dosages of, say, six grams or so a day as being useful, put it that way. Um, right. now, now, fish oils uh, are very safe. Uh, yeah. the, the fish oil has very little uh, benefit um, for osteoarthritis. It's only rheumatoid arthritis for which it is indicated. So mm -hmm. it is one thing that I would suggest be tried. The downside to it is that it may take a little while before it starts to kick in because it's not yeah. a powerful medication. Secondarily, however, the um, preparations based on willow bark and silver birch. Now, note those two names down, willow bark and silver and sil birch. Now, silver birch. Yeah, now, willow bark um, is well, well, well defined in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of, of 1983, which, as I keep saying on this program, is the, the Bible of modern herbal medicine, it's mm -hmm. well called up as being useful uh, for rheumatoid arthritis. It is referred to as having mildly analgesic and yeah. useful anti-inflammatory characteristics. It is mm -hmm. one of the oldest um, natural medicines known to us, uh, the willow bark, and... Yeah. Um, it is these days, uh, particularly in European tr uh, circles, combined with a, a northern European herb called silver birch. Mm -hmm. And that combination I've spoken about on this program and have been so impressed with it in prescribing it myself to patients that I have no uh, problem in saying that uh, a, a simple tea made up of willow bark and silver birch taken two to three times daily would yeah. be a useful thing to do and would uh, would probably be fairly uh, safely used mm -hmm. at the ringing in of my telephone now. I apologise for that. Now, it just make it into a, into a tea and I think you should, however, discuss it with um, your um, medical manager. Um, I'm sure there'll be no problem, particularly if you're looking at it from the point of view of trying it before you go back on to the uh, immunosuppressant drugs. Mm -hmm. But um, I've had good feedback um, from my uh, patients and clients. A tea of uh, willow bark and silver birch reinforced by a, a lengthy period of time on the fish oils. Give, right. a, give that a go. Um, it's, it's, um, Where would we purchase the willow bark and silver birch? Well, look, you, you always try... Um, your own outlets first. If you mm -hmm. can't get it from there, you can get it from my rooms. But always try your own health food store or compounding right. pharmacy. But if you can't get it from there, you yep. can pick it up from my rooms at New Lambton. Right, okay. But uh, I think you, you owe it to your medical managers to let them know what you intend to do. Mm -hmm. The thing is that if those two herbs in, in the tea are going to be um, uh, useful, she should be able to experience some benefit from it reasonably quickly. Right. So it's not crossing your fingers and hoping. Um, being on it for a reasonably short period of time, say a week, should give you a hint as to whether it's taking the edge off the discomfort. Right. So that's got no, in, like, no complications if, if she wants to have a, a children, like to fall pregnant? Oh, look, there's always the possibility of complications with anything that one one is taking, but mm -hmm. th those two herbs are... They're pretty safe. Yeah, look, they're pretty safe. If if uh, okay. I haven't got uh, my computer or anything in front of me, but you can always Google it up. Um, but true, I've true. not seen anything that would 
uh, worry me about it. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, thank you for all that good advice. Well, it may not be useful, it may not be work, but look, it's harm, it's harmless and there is documentation to support it and I have seen uh, quite a few patients benefit from it. And the program is Health Naturally on 2NURFM and, Dennis, we are taking calls Helen has rung in from Dungog. You're, you've got Menia's disease on your mind. Yes, I, it's not from me, it's from my friend. And the, she's in a home and the doctors mm. there are just giving her stematil. And yes. I said, there's something, it's not working. And I said, mm. well, I've heard Dennis on the wireless and I know he said some herbs. Yes. And I said, I'd ring up about it. Okay. Look, I, haven't, I wrote it down, but yeah. I can't find it. Well, one of the herbs that I have frequently mentioned on the program that is sometimes helpful. Now, I catch everything I say uh, by saying that, look, um, there's no guarantees. Like all aspects of of medicine, things can work for some and don't work for others. But for many, many, many years, I have a great regard for a herb called wood betony. W-O-O-D. Wood, yes. W-O-O-D, B-E-T-O-N-Y. It's it's botanically known as Botonica, B-E-T-O-N-I-C. It is profiled in in a lot of literature, particularly the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, and it is particularly useful for the the vertigo um, component uh, that can be characteristic. Yeah, that's what I mean. Look, it is certainly... Uh, Helen, worthwhile um, giving it a go. The good thing about it is it's very inexpensive. Right. Uh, if you you may have a compounding pharmacist up there at Dungog, I'm not sure, um, but it would be readily available um, around the Hunter region here from herbalists, from okay. compounding pharmacists. Um, it it would be something that I would try on on the dear lady. Oh dear, good. Thank you very much. Okay. That's. Uh, uh, that's wonderful because uh, I visited her last week and, oh, and uh, even talking to her, uh, you know, she sort of says, "Oh, I can't read. I've got, a, I've got a, my head's going round, oh, you know." Dear, dear, dear. And um, it's not good. Is she vomiting with it or anything like that? No, no, but she's just... got, she got shingles in her ears as well, oh, and she's dear, deaf, and we've got to write everything down. Dear side, are the shingles taking up? Uh, no, this, she's still deaf. But the lesions have gone, like the... the oh, so, yes, that's gone now, but she's just left deaf, oh, and dear, as so. well as the manias. And, you know, it's just so sad because she's, uh, she's younger than I am, and, yes. and uh, it's you know, I'm running around all right, and mm. she's not. It's just sad. Well, you, you, and you, I you, said I'd help yeah. her. Well, you, you give her my regards. So you spoke to Dennis about it, and he wishes her well. And thanks for your call indeed, Helen. And uh, we're moving to Charlestown now. And Melissa, and your topic that you want to talk about is early onset dementia. Yes, thank you. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Melissa. Um, I uh, support a dear friend of mine in looking after her wife, who is currently 57. Yes was diagnosed at 51 with early onset dementia and now has Lewy body complications as well. She's on a concoction, of course, of medication, metazapine, Serapax, Lexapro. um, And we're finding now she's in that stage of um, hallucinations. However, there's nothing we can give her because of the Lewy antipsychotics don't work. Because of the Lewy body, she tends to have a hypersensitivity to some 
most antipsychotics and things like Valium. I guess my question is in regard to... Um, because she becomes quite distressed. So agitation, argumentative, oppositional, changing from being abusive to, hello, darling, those kinds of things. Is there anything, is there any herb or vitamin we could look at? Well, look, I think it's worthwhile giving a a go. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, For the calming side of it, uh, Mm. for the quietening down component... There are two herbs that have been famous in Ayurvedic, or that's Indian medicine, for centuries. Uh, yes. One of them is called Bacopa Moniera, Bacopa, yes. and the other one is called uh, Gotchicola, or botanically known as Centilla Asiatica. Now, those two herbs are, uh, are fascinating in as much that they have been used to promote calmness of mind, focus... Right. And recall, they were used in the history of Ayurvedic medicine by some of the Brahmin scholars and and uh, religious um, people because it mm-hmm. did have this um, quietening and calming effect, which I have found useful, believe it or not, in mm-hmm. in giving a preparation uh, in liquid form to to, mm-hmm. to children who are uh, hyper, uh-huh. hyperactive and. Uh, 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 upset, uh, upsetting the class and, and whose scholastic ability has been compromised. I actually wrote a couple of papers on some of the results of prescribing those two herbs uh, that sometimes go under the name of Brahmi, B-R-A-H-M-I, Brahmi remedies. Now, Brahmi pertains to the Ayurvedic uh, Sanskrit terminology, which means of the gods, priestly, of the gods. That's how they were regarded. I don't want to give you a lecture in, in folk history or anything, but it's fascinating, and I studied Ayurvedic medicine and have taught it, and that's certainly something that I would consider. The other uh-huh. thing is that the, 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 the herb that has found most mention uh, in recent times is, is the ginkgo, but yes. the, the ginkgo seems to have more to do with uh, memory and recall rather than behavioural problems. So, um, okay. and the thing with the, with the ginkgo is that um, there may be some problem in prescribing it if she's on multiple other medications. It, right. it would be mm-hmm. it would be something that would have to be run past her medical managers. But it yeah. has a very very sound uh, reputation as a drug of choice, if you like, a natural drug of choice for yeah. uh, for coping with that uh, symptom that occurs somewhat early. That is yeah. a, an understanding that the memory is, is starting to deteriorate. I would start uh, with the Brahmi remedies, look them up on the net. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't see any reason why they, they would be contraindicated with what she's taking. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. Okay. And thank you, Melissa. Uh, Michael from Cessnock. Now, you must have been listening the other day when Dennis was talking about growing herbs. Oh, yes, I've been growing herbs uh, for a long time, and Dennis will probably remember the uh, fragrant garden. I do, I do. I do. work there with Jan and Michael. Yeah, Mayer, how about so, that? Uh, that goes back a while, doesn't it? Yeah, still I, there. The sign's still on the gate. Oh, is it really? I, I have a, uh, a slide, believe it or not, when we actually took slides, of my yeah. being at Michael's fragrant garden in my white overalls, 
um, um, even though in those days I was still a handsome brood in white overalls. Looking, looking. I, remember, I remember you, Dennis. Oh, do you really? Okay, those good hippie days. Uh, I have a, a, a good slide of my looking in admiration at a fully developed plant of burdock in Michael and Michael and Jan's uh, garden. Uh, they were good people. And uh, I used to take, as you probably know, we used to take a lot of students from Southern Cross Herbal School and from the Naturopathic College in Sydney deliberately there to do herb identification with them. It's great to talk yeah. to you, Michael. Great to talk yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah, uh, so I was just saying about uh, people being worried about weeds. And I've always been a forager and I grow yes. massive amounts of herbs myself. Good. All the herbs you mentioned, I Good. pretty well grow. Right. Um, but uh, definition of a weed is simply something, if you look in the book, it's simply uh, something that grows where a farmer doesn't want it to grow. Yes. So it's, it's, that doesn't mean it's not a herb. People get worried about a weed yes. in, in the word, but it's just something that you don't want to grow particularly in that area. Yeah. A, a plant growing in the wrong area. <laughs> in fact, I don't mind the term uh, weed because uh, the the book that uh, I have used for field excursions and uh, and I brought it into the studio today just to uh, read a little bit of it before the program is a book written by Audrey Wynne Hatfield, who was a lovely English lady. She was a fellow of the Royal Horticultural Society and she wrote a magnificent work, which I'll mention again because listeners, if they can get hold of it, should get hold of it. It might might be difficult to get, although Amazon, I think, uh, stocks it. It's called How to Enjoy Your Weeds. Yeah. How to Enjoy yeah. Your Weeds by Audrey sure Wynne Hatfield. <laughs> oh, it's a remarkable little book. And uh, I was going to refer to, well, I've referred to it today, and I hope listeners take up my challenge to get hold of it because that lady is such a gracious lady like so many uh, I was talking to Jane uh, just before the program about the way in which um, gracious um, educated uh, sometimes a little bit upper class English women have really been at the backbone of supporting uh, unusual medicines such as herbal medicine and uh, Audrey Wynne Hatfield I take my hat off to her she talks about a lot of herbs and talks about the way in which they can be eaten, the way in which they can be used medicinally, the way in which they can be used in compost. You know it all. That's but right. uh, Audrey Wynne Hatfield, a lovely lady, how to enjoy your weeds. I don't mind the go, term at all. <laughs> if you go to some of the most expensive restaurants in Australia or in Europe, mm, you'll actually be paying a lot of money for those wild herbs to be on your plate. Yeah. So you can go to France, you can go to Sydney, <laughs> the most expensive restaurants, there'll be something on your plate and you're paying an absolute fortune for it. Well, I'd, I'd like to think as a result of our discussion today that very shortly in The Hunter, some of the restaurants there that uh, my dear wife and myself have frequented for many years, they might shortly be dishing up things like uh, uh, boiled nettles or uh, dandelion root or something like that because... Uh, uh, and chickweed in particular on salads is, is hard to beat. Let's hope that after you're bringing us up in our discussion, we'll see some of that taken off up in the Hunter Valley. Dennis Stewart is enlightening us today on weeds, if you like, and other things, as is Michael when he rang up from mm. Cessnock. Um, but we now have Julianne on the phone from Lemon Tree Passage and a change of topic, neutropenia. Um, hello to you, Julianne. Hello, how are you going? I'm very well, Julianne. Tell me something oh. about your problem. What, um, why why yeah, have you got well, neutropenia, white blood cells? Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I just um, actually have come from the doctors and yes. um, she said it's like she calls it chronic because it's there, it's low. It's, I've had all the tests yeah. done and there's nothing 
underlying that they can see. Mm. I've just got to keep an eye on it. But I was just wondering, is there anything I can take that can build that up quite heavily? Has, has, has it been, has your white blood cell count, your neutrophils, been low for a long period of time? Yeah, yeah, for a while, a few years now with blood tests and stuff. It seems to be stable in that low area, but, okay. Um, okay. yeah. Well, look, my suggestion would be, and again, uh, I think you would owe it to, to, to your doctor just to mention our, our discussion. Um, yeah, in, in, in well, I did, actually. Okay. I asked did you know of anything, and she mm. said, not that I know of. Okay. She said, but okay. she, she only knows well, the medical side. In, in, in Chinese herbal medicine... They talk about blood-building herbs. It's a term they yeah. use. Um, I don't retreat from that. It might be a little bit medically controversial, but I don't retreat from it. By blood-building yeah. herbs, they talk about herbs that address uh, your condition, um, that is, l low levels of various white blood cells. And yeah. the leader of the pack is a, a herb called Astragalus membranaceus, just right, Astragalus. On, yeah. it, on its own, uh, it would be worthwhile giving a trial, although yeah. very frequently it's combined with other herbs in what's called the Astragalus 8 formula. Yeah. Now, I've actually seen, not in every case, but in quite a few cases, an improvement in white blood cell counts as a result of persons going on to uh, the Astragalus herb or the Astragalus combination. Yeah. Um, it's readily available. Uh, it's safe. I had a lot to do with introducing mm. the Astragalus 8 formula into Australia. Um, I actually got your, yours um, okay. for my yeah. daughter when okay. she had um, glandular, glandular fever. fever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, oh, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I would, uh, I would uh, work along those lines, uh, okay. talk to your doctor about it. Um, yeah. I would be on it for a while before you did another blood test, yeah. but I'd be surprised if it didn't do something for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julianne. And yep. thanks for your call. It is 10 to 1 to NURFM, and it might be time to talk about <laughs> nettle. You mentioned the nettle earlier. Oh, I did indeed. It's one of those not loved by walkers who wear shorts. I could talk about nettle all day. It is one of my most favourite herbs, and the reason I'm taking it up today is that it, it starts to assert itself in, in this cooler weather and comes into its own, particularly in spring, when it really has reached its full level of development. Now, it does sting. That's why it's called stinging nettle. But um, it's only the fresh herb that will sting. And therefore, if one is going to, to use it, um, one doesn't always have to get stung. For instance, uh, when we make a herbal medicine from nettle, it's always made on the dried stinging nettle. Uh, and we uh, make, or I don't make so much now, but I used to make a lot of it, but now I purchase a lot of stinging nettle fluid extract because as a wayside herb, it has a profound medicinal benefit in addressing inflammatory uh, joint conditions and also inflammatory skin conditions. So it is popularly prescribed and has been popularly prescribed in English herbalism for centuries and centuries, for dealing with things like arthritic conditions. Uh, gout is a particular condition for which it's useful. Any joint inflammatory condition warrants uh, being exposed to the potential virtue of stinging nettle fluid extract. I also use a lot of the uh, stinging nettle fluid extract 
to address inflammatory skin conditions such as uh, eczema and dermatitis. And a combination that I have found useful at times uh, is the combination of the herb heartsease in combination with stinging nettle. It has given me good results over the years in chronic eczemas when few other things have resolved it. Nettle in combination with heartsease has proven itself to be very beneficial. So as far as a herb is concerned, whilst it grows by the wayside uh, and usually harvested in its fresh state and then allowed to dry and then processed into a, a, a fluid extract or even into a herbal tea, it can be used in its fresh state in a number of ways. An interesting way of using it is to harvest it fresh with gloves on, of course, chop it up, and do what's been done by many people in the cool parts of the world, boil it up as a pot vegetable. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and that's called up by Audrey Wynne Hatfield in her book, How to Enjoy Your Weeds. It is an edible vegetable with a lot of virtues, uh, minerals in particular. So it can be eaten as a pot herb. And my, my, my dear father-in-law, who's uh, passed on, he was a farmer. Uh, in the New England as uh, during the Great Depression. And he told me that one of the staple foods that they ate was stinging nettle. They didn't have a lot of money in those days. Uh, vegetables were probably not as expensive as they are today. There might be a rush on stinging nettle collection after this discussion. <laughs> but he, they uh, used a lot of stinging nettles as a pot herb uh, to be put on the plate with the with the sheep that they raised themselves and slaughtered themselves. So it has a reputation as a herb that can be eaten like any other vegetable, boiled up conservatively, very rich in vitamins and minerals. But the other fascinating thing about it is when it is grown, when it is grown anywhere, it has a remarkable rejuvenating and encouraging effect on the fertility of the soil. I will never, ever... Uh, um, waste or dig out stinging nettles in any garden area that I have. I have a large uh, bit of land in my property at Rothbury and the richness of the soil in one part of it I put down to the fact that it has had for years stinging nettles asserting themselves and anyone that does any reading on the stinging nettle will know that it places into the soil strong fertility-inducing um, minerals and, and other substances. So it's a popular herb by gardeners that know, and I've actually had people come to my rooms and I've supplied them, believe it or not, with, with potted plants of stinging nettle because they have wanted to harness its potential in their domestic gardens to increase and improve the soil, which it inevitably does. And another secret little thing is if one gets a great sheaf of red stinging, of the fresh stinging nettle and put it in a drum of water, let it stay there for a week or two and it will rot and you, you can drain off the liquid and it provides a remarkably stimulating liquid fertiliser. So stinging nettle is one of the most important herbs medicinally, edibly and also in the garden. Dennis, as we get towards the end of the program, we have someone who has rung up with a comment. Hello to you. Hello. 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 Is that me? It's you. What's your name? <laughs> Hi, it's Erin Kuna. I yes, am sir. actually one of Dennis's uh, 
patience. Yeah. Hello, Erin. And hi. Uh, I came to you quite a while ago with a uh, very high uh, reading in rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, I yes. think it was forty-seven point yep. something. Yep. And you did encourage me to take astragalus eight. Yep. And I've been on all natural things. And my reading is now, I had crippled fingers, I couldn't move my fingers. Mm. And my reading is now down to 18, mm. and I have no pain whatsoever. I'm on nothing else. I've changed my diet, and I've taken what you recommended, and I can't believe it. I mean, I can. I can. <laughs> well, I that's can. good. That is great, <laughs> isn't and, it? And this discussion wasn't even planned, was it? <laughs> I know, no, it was. I just heard you talking about us to go and and I yeah. thought, you know what? Yeah, I have yeah. got well, this there you go. Yeah, well, oh, that's lovely. Look, it's well lovely to know. Thank well you for well your done. call, indeed. That's great, Aaron. And uh, all the very best in the future. Uh, Dennis, it's been an interesting program. Oh, We've covered a lot of topics. We said today. it was going to be a light program, and it was, and I enjoyed it. It uh, was lovely. We covered and a multiple of uh, areas. And we've even got more weeds we can talk about. And well, well, maybe we'll talk about cacti when we meet again. We could indeed <laughs> talk about cacti. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.